On today's episode of the Launchpad Podcast, we are going to be talking about the Rockets' third summer league game against the San Antonio Spurs, the impacts of social media on some of the Rockets' players, and maybe a potential Donovan Mitchell trade. So stick around. We have a great show for y'all today on the Launchpad Podcast. Houston, Roger, we copy and standing by for your TV. They throw it up. Oh, there goes Jalen Green. Humans can't fly. Welcome into the episode of the Launchpad Podcast presented by Clutch the Control Room. As always, I'm your host, Don Knock. Find me on Twitter at Don Knock. You can find the pod at Clutch City CR. Go in the description there. You can find the YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcast links. As always, I'm joined over there by my fellow host, Paolo Alves. Paolo, tell the people where they can find your stuff. What's up, everyone? Uh, y'all can find me on Twitter at PauloAlvesNVA. That's P-A-U-L-O-A-L-V-E-S-N-V-A. Everything I do from, from podcasts like this one to the live shows on different places uh, will find itself link on there. And today, making his first return appearance on the Launchpad <laughs> podcast, uh, one of the original hosts of this show. He's now over uh, on Clutch Fans on the Rocket Fuel podcast over there with uh, also a friend of the show, Anthony Duckett. We have Lashard Binkley. Lashard, welcome back to your own show uh, that we, <laughs> we liberated from you, unfortunately. Um, how are you doing today? Tell the people where they can find all your stuff. I'm doing great. Uh, of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley's Hoops. I also write for the Dream Shake, um, so you can always find my written words there. And like I always tell Anthony, I always get close to slipping up when I do my intro. I almost always say the Launchpad Podcast. I, I, I get close every single time, but I haven't slipped up yet, so I'm, I'm, I'm still working on that. <laughs> I've, I've almost said hosted by Apollo HOU instead of Clarkson Control sure. a couple of times. But, you know, we can we can edit that out if I was ever to, to slip thickly. But, <laughs> Definitely, but, yeah. Yeah, so uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the show, uh, I, I was on the Shard's pod the first time I was on a pod. It was him and yeah. Nima, a uh, friend of the show, yeah. Finding Nima. And then the first time I did launch pads with the Shard. So, you know, circle of life thing here. Yes. Now the Shard is back on with us. So, again, I want to thank you for being here. We have a good show for you all today. Uh, obviously, the Rockets coming off a win. Everyone, I'm sure, loves to see that. Yeah. And we're, it's just summer league, so we won't have to get into tanking and what this means for the women Yama sweepstakes just yet. But uh, we're going to talk a little, about, a little bit about that game. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the social media uh, things we've seen in the last 24 hours with some of the Rockets players. They have been quite active. Uh, and then we're going to talk about a report that came out a little earlier today um, about Donovan Mitchell potentially being up for a trade. So just to start off, Lashard, you know, what was your big main takeaways from this third game against the San Antonio Spurs? Um, obviously the Rockets, like we mentioned before, getting a win. Um, who did you like in this game? Who do you thought played well? And who do you thought who did you think uh, you know, maybe didn't have so great of a game? Well, I mean, first off, it was really interesting because they actually had their worst first half, or at least first, you know, quarter and change, you know, to start the game, probably of any of the other two games. I mean, they started off real slow. They weren't getting back on defense. They had a horrible rotation. Um, they couldn't make shots. They would turn the ball over left and right, which has kind of been on theme all summer league long. And then it just seemed like they just kind of flipped the switch. And actually, it kind of started – I mean, Tyree Eason was playing well the entire game, so he was kind of been there from the jump. But, I mean – People like Dacian Nix, who actually helped get the Rockets back in the game, started making threes and started getting the offense going. And then eventually we saw Jabari Smith have his best game of the entire summer league, making shots. I mean, his defense has been good the entire summer league, but he was actually starting to make shots and look confident taking those shots. He wasn't hesitating. He was getting to the basket, getting offensive rebounds. So, I mean, as we saw, Dacian Nix, Jabari Smith, uh, Tari Eason had great games. Um, Ty Ty came in. He was pushing the pace. Josh Christopher, <laughs> he was better. He he wasn't he wasn't hogging the ball as much, but we kind of saw in the fourth quarter. I guess he started getting uh, itchy trigger finger and just started taking shots. But at least he was making most of them. But for the most part, it it was you know Dacian Nix. It was Ty Ty Washington with Jabari Smith, 
And, you know, it was uh, Tari Eason that got the Rockets back in that game and, it, you know, ultimately gave him the lead. But as we saw, Tari, Tari Eason and Jabari Smith defense is already next level. I mean, that's something I'm not worried about overreacting because it's summer league because that's going to translate to the NBA regardless of what the competition that they're playing. So that's the thing I take from it the most was just the overall defense. Paolo, go ahead. Yeah, I think this was, as Lashard said, by far the best game. Um, I think defensively, I would probably take um, the game, the game two rather than this one. But offensively, it, it showed what a lot of people have been saying. Uh, you know, whenever a high, a high title rookie comes into summer league and underperforms, there's always going to be, oh, he's a bust because you know, so you know, social media will get into that the second segment. But th- th- this game showed perfectly that most, I guess, I guess wiser minds prevailed because everybody that was paying attention since the beginning and that had looked into Jabari Smith in college could tell that this is a player that's not really a, a shot creator mold, right? He, this is a guy that at least early on in his career is going to need someone else to do most of the creating except for a couple spots on the floor. And he was doing well on those spots on the floor with the, the few opportunities that he got. But the guard play was, was so awful that he wasn't getting yeah. good looks and so he wasn't being efficient because well, every player on the team was being forced, every player that's not supposed to be a creator was being forced to jack up shots because the offense is not creating anything. Um, in this game, we finally saw, you know, both Tari and Jabari were, I don't, I can't quite remember many ISOs that they got. I think most of the time they were either, it, it was either catch and shoot or they were in the pick and roll as the role man punishing off of uh, advantages created by the system, by the, the offense. And that's another big takeaway for me, which, which is it looked a lot more like basketball this time around. Um, and so it proved what, what I thought since the beginning that these guys, at least early on in their careers, are, are a little bit more of system players versus a guy like Jalen Green last year um, that's going to create his own shot a lot. Those guys are always thrive in summer league because it's it's highly unorganized basketball. And so we finally saw some more organization and these guys thrived. I mean, <laughs> we, we saw a glimpse of what these guys can look like as defensive presences that are eight, that don't need the ball in their hands to to be effective. Um, and that can, that can punish the advantages that a guy like Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., and Shingun will be able to create at the next level. We finally got a glimpse of what that looks like. And I mean, everybody was super excited. I was super excited. Uh, Tari Eason's, uh, I, I love Jabari as well, but Tari Eason has quickly become one of my favorite players on this team. My favorite player beforehand was Josh Christopher. So you can kind of tell what my type is. Uh, Tari Eason's is, yeah. like, he's quickly climbing up the ranks and now uh, he's just so fun to watch i love players that just want it a little bit more than every than everybody else on the floor so in this game we had tar eason go for 11 rebounds 22 points uh two steals two blocks one turnover and three assists um you know if even he hit his threes in this game he was two of three um or sorry yeah two of three from three uh, without those, he would have been at what twenty-two. So he would have been six point less. I'm, I was promised there was no math, but anyway, <laughs> without those points, right, he would have still had like an incredible game, right? With the 11, 11 rebounds, um, three assists from him is pretty good. The team high in assists was Knicks with six, and then after that, Ty Ty with four. Um, so you know to be right there, almost with Ty Ty uh, in assists something you definitely love to see um getting any sort of playmaking out of him and jabari smith is like found money um because that's really not what those two's game is is really predicated on um but jabari himself he he went for 19 points he went for nine rebounds so you almost had two guys with a double double in points and rebounds um and neither one of them you know neither of those are high usage high um on the ball type of guys, right? Most of their work is done off the ball, attacking closeouts, spotting up, shooting threes, or in transition. Um, I think we'll we'll get into Tari's transition play a little bit later, but um, yeah, just overall in this game, uh, I thought Nick's he did a better job this game of you know trying to make sure he got guys in spots as a creator uh, to close out the game. You had that play where Nick's ran over a stagger uh, and then found Jabari on the pop for a three to, to kind of ice the game. And that's the kind of looks you have – at least I have been wanting to see more of throughout this uh, postseason – or this preseason, sorry. Um, 
even last year they ran a lot of like staggered they ran a lot of double drag type of stuff and we just didn't get the defense to react to it because you didn't have guys that you know were either were hitting that shot or had the gravity to when they went downhill the defense would stay with them and things like that so seeing a set like that you know, hitting crunch time i think it was kind of emblematic of what they want to do um what coach steven styles offense will kind of graduate into as he's able to slot these guys like tari and jabari into it um and then yeah i mean josh christopher i will say uh and we'll get into this a little bit in, in the next segment as well but he took a little bit of heat for his play style throughout summer league um we haven't spoken to y'all since after the first summer league game so you know if you if y'all want to touch on uh, the second game as well, feel free. But, you know, Josh Christopher, it just seems like he has been really focused on attacking yeah. and scoring and playing that part of his game. And, you know, the playmaking for Josh Christopher, like we said, you know, three assists tied with Tari Eason. You'd like ideally to see him not necessarily have the assist numbers higher, but just more kind of cognizant of getting guys in position and orchestrating the offense. It seemed like when he got the ball, he was very focused on – on attacking and, and being a scorer first. Yeah. You know, when he comes off the bench, that's probably going to be what his role is uh, for the most part with the big team. So you can understand why that that was kind of his focus coming in. You also have the whole thing of, you know, is this guy quote unquote too good for summer league and players that are coming back for their second year really trying to make their impact on the game scoring wise and, and things like that. Um, it has thankfully at least gone better for Josh Christopher than it did for Josh Giddy. Uh, we won't have to go too, too deep on that one, but Yes. But yeah, I, I just think overall, um, this was a lot more of a team win. Um, like Lashard mentioned, they got down big early, and it was very good to see that even though this isn't, you know, full squad against another team's full squad, um, the Rockets for the last two years have been the, the fake comeback team. And, you know, yeah. we finally got some real comebacks here with, you know, defense really leading the way. And I think that's a good sign. I think, you know, people have really talked about Tar- Tari and Jabari and, and even Ty Ty and like what kind of emotional impact or like leadership type of impact that they can have on the team and you know being able to steady the shit, being able to keep things in perspective when you're down big and you know start making the correct plays, you know making getting out in transition and doing those type of things, playing lockdown defense to to have a run that gets you back into the game. You know that's what you want to see as the season goes on with the full squad, right? Is you know, they play well as a team, they're able to you know, lock in and not really get down on themselves when they do have a bad play or, or a bad stretch of the games. And, you know, I think that that's going to be big. And I think that's going to be something that, you know, as this team grows, you know, having the guys with that level of defensive intensity is going to make it contagious. Um, kind of like what we talked about with Madison of everyone's going to you know have that defensive focus and really come and lock in. Yeah, and I mean, just to Christopher's credit, right? Um, yeah, and just real quick, I just want to – Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Sean. Oh, no, I was just going to say real quick, just to follow up on what y'all were saying. Um, I mean, I think it's real important that people understand that Jabari is, and and when I say this, it's not a bad thing. He's more of a system player. He's going to fit better with players like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. He's not going to be Paulo Bancaro. He's going to be taking people off the dribble and creating his own shot, at least yet. I mean, he may do this in the future, but – once you see him with the main guys on the Rockets, you'll see a, even a bigger difference in his overall percentage uh, from the field. And also, I think that Josh Christopher will fit back into his regular role of being a backup and not necessarily, you know, wanting to be the best player on the court. Because I think that's what he's trying to prove, that he's a second-year player, that he's better than any of the rookies that are out there. So he's kind of overcompensating a little bit, trying to get up every single shot. And I think that they probably had a talk with him after the first couple of games because you could see in the interviews he was mentioning that, saying that he wants to get other people involved like Jabari instead of, you know, taking up all the shots himself. Yeah, and to his credit, right, he he did have, like, four steals and two blocks. And, yeah. and a couple of those blocks are like, this is a guard getting these blocks? Like, he was getting <laughs> yeah. really high up there contesting, like... Yeah, the volleyball <laughs> spike one on, I can't remember, yeah. which yeah. first player. At the end of the and game, so, yeah. Yeah. So he, yes, he is. He's been a little bit in a vision that in myself, he's my favorite player, but I've been a little bit disappointed on that. But I think this game uh, towards the end and in, in, in clutch time, he was, he was um, playing a lot better. Yeah. Um, he started off really like slow, but he, he was still, he still got 18 points on, on 13 shots. 
uh, he got to the free throw line a bunch. He was a team high joint with Jabari Smith, a uh, plus minus of 23. Like our starting unit was really the like our, our the key to winning this game. We were clearly better than the Spurs. And besides that first quarter, like Richard mentioned, where we were just getting cooked by Darius Stays making tough shot after tough shot, and like, well, I guess it's not sustainable. Um, after that, it really it really felt like. We were just a better team. I think Christopher was a big uh, was a big part of it. Another guy that was a big part of it to me and that deserves his props because I've been flaming him a lot <laughs> is Dacian Nix, right? He was someone who <laughs> yeah. was missing a lot of reads first couple of games. In this game, he found Jabari on on those pick and pop scenarios a lot more, uh, and I think that reflects in in, in Jabari's uh, percentages. Uh, they they were making it a point. Both him and Tai Tai were making it a point to get Jabari going, and I think that's really important because you want you want Jabari to be confident. If someone is a generational shooter, or at least for their size, you want that you want that guy to not be afraid to shoot. The most important thing is that you just shoot. If, if it doesn't go in that school, it will eventually go in. Uh, Rafael Stone talked about this a little bit, so I really like that those two guys were were making it a point to to feed Jabari. Um, and then the other thing I want to touch on. While we were on the topic of you know how these maybe how these guys run a little a little bit is, I really like besides the defense, which is obviously, I feel like we haven't talked about it that much because it's so obvious that that's the best part of their game. I really really like their rebounding. I think there's every single game there's a couple rebounds from Kevaro like where you're you're like thinking how did he get that and with Tarits with Kevaro it's that, but he's also playing. It's also important to realize Kevari is playing out of position. He's playing the five, where naturally he's a four. So his struggles have also have got to be taken a little bit with a grain of salt. And I think he's further along being able to play small ball five than most people expected. Uh, a lot of guys in scouting reports thought he was a great on-ball defender. Didn't really know how well he would do in team defense, and he's shown to be really crisp um, for the most part when when playing that way. And so the rebounding, Tyrese and uh, Inkuda, like these guys are, are rebounding the heck out of the basketball. If we ever see a lineup with Kipari Smith, Tyrese, and, and Albert Kengun, Kengun himself, which, who is a really good rebounder, not only just getting the rebounds, but boxing people out, it, as a Rockets fan, it's satisfying because for, for the longest time we've been playing small. For the longest time we've been getting out rebounded, we get many positions a game where the opponent just gets three, four shots in a row because we can't secure the rebound and it's it sounds like a really simple thing but and for most teams it probably is but after so long struggling in that area you kind of grow to value rebounding a little bit more and it is it's one of the one of the things that gets me excited about this group is we are not undersized anymore and if we ever reach a point where those three are playing together we have legit size at all three positions i think it might be a little bit undersized but in today's nba not really um so that's another thing that i wanted to bring up because i as a podcast we've really valued that uh done done himself one of the big wing for a long time and i love that our reason might be that for us all right so do you have any closing thoughts on on this game or ready to take it to a break here everyone good uh the only other thing i have is um uh, only thing other thing I had was just like you know y'all were saying. I mean, just it was just good overall to see them come back and not just basically quit because I mean at one point they were down 17, 18 points and they still fought back and still fought hard. And it's good to see that the young guys have fight that they're taking this seriously. So I mean, you can tell that Tari, Jabari, all of them they're real professionals. They're they're taking these games real serious. That it's just not. Uh, pickup game to them so I mean that was just good to see overall just them fight back and actually come back and win the game and take control of it and not let the Spurs back in it yeah I will say there's a lot of guys that will say stuff like oh you know I'm just someone who's about winning right and then yeah. they're on the court and you're like well there's all these things you could be doing to play harder and xyz that you know you're not doing you say you're all about winning but you know with the the guys that have been out there you know that we drafted this year you know I don't watch any of them play, and I'm like, no, this person is not serious. Like, they're playing hard every possession. Um, you know, they're doing all the little things, like we said, rebounding, screen setting looks pretty good. Um, you know, defense, they're communicating. So I, I when these guys tell me that they're about winning, I, I am more inclined to believe them when <laughs> some other people yeah. have said something similar. So uh, definitely love to see that. But 
That gives us a good stopping point to go into break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the favorite things that we love to talk about on this show, and that's uh, Twitter and some of the Rockets <laughs> players getting uh, into the mix on Twitter as well. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. And continuing to our second segment here on the Launchpad Podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about one of our favorite topics, and that is Twitter. Uh, earlier today, uh, they released a interview with Bleacher Report um, with Jabari Smith, and you know he mentioned social media a bit in there. Um, Josh Christopher also had a social media moment today. So we'll talk a little bit about those and some other things as well. But let's start out with the Jabari interview. Um, Lashard was able to watch that earlier today and, and just give us a little bit of a breakdown on what was said on that interview and, and your takeaways from it. All right. So, yeah, with um, Jabari, they were talking about some of the normal stuff they were talking about, um, how he felt after he was drafted number three instead of number one. Of course, he said uh, how shocked he was. But after his motions got in check, then he realized that, you know, two teams passed on him, but the Rockets really did want him. So that's what he was really focused on. That's what he's focused on now. So you can tell that, you know, of course, he has a chip on his shoulder, but he's not going to let that kind of dominate his feelings and his his thoughts going forward. He's just really working on his game to, of course, prove to those first two teams that they made a huge mistake. Um, so, of course, I mean, that was interesting to hear it come, you know, directly from him. Uh, he was also talking about a little bit about social media, something that you brought up in the intro to the second segment, just talking about after the first two games, how crazy it got, how some of the people were saying some really horrible things about him. Um, even though it was just two summer league games, he actually had to deactivate for a little bit because it got to the point where he just didn't want to hear it anymore because he had talked about he knows he has to work on his ball handling. He knows he has to work on other parts of his game and that for people to say that he's not working on it is just crazy because he is working on it every single day. Um, so he just kind of, you know, went over that and just talked about how, you know, sometimes with social media, things can get crazy and people can really overreact to things, even though he knew he had confidence in his game and he really wasn't worried about it at all. As we saw after game three, you know, he had his best game of the entire summer league. And then one other interesting thing they asked him, uh, Taylor Rooks asked him, who would he look forward to guarding in the NBA? And he mentioned Steph and LeBron. So, I mean, that was pretty interesting. I'm sure it's going to be a, a big time moment when he faces, you know, the Lakers and the Warriors. And the first time he locks up either one of those, I'm sure it's going to be all over Rockets Twitter. So those like really the main interesting thing that he was talking about uh, in the interview. But it was a really good interview. I will say, you know, as a Rockets fan, hearing that he wants to lock up Steph Curry, there's nothing you can do to, to win my heart over quicker than that. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I did see a little clip on Twitter earlier of the the part you were mentioning about when he got drafted. And I think, you know, for Rockets fans, that was such a big you – know, obviously the draft is a big part of any player and any fan base's relationship of, you know, yeah. seeing them be selected and, and putting the hat on for the first time and, and all of those things. But, you know, with this draft specifically, it was very interesting because, you know, all the fans were under – basically the same impression that he was that, you know, they expected him to go first or expected him to go second. And when he fell to the Rockets, it was, it was just the surprise moment of, you know, we have all been led to believe that this is how this is going to transpire. And I, I I would say, honestly, like we were at the Rockets um, watch party over at post Houston. And I think the reaction that the fans felt was very similar to how he felt. was like, and we thought this guy was going to go first and second. And then it was the surprise of having him drop. And then once, you know, once the surprise was over, it was like, okay, you know, we got a player that was projected to go first or second. So, you know, yeah. there's no L to be taken here. Like, this is a guy that is very high pedigree, uh, you know, has very high skill set, um, very, very good, malleable skill set to go with our current star, Jalen Green, and and everyone was off and running from there. But um, the the stuff about the social media, you know, that's it's it's this weird cat 22 of you know you love to see the players personalities and you love yeah. to see them interacting with fans and that's a great way to build their brand and and all those types of things but you know I, it's it's definitely a challenge of how to balance as a player right what they're reading and what they're kind of skimming over because you do want to have kind of like a pulse of the fan base and you know maybe that they can have you know once you're a more established player you have someone that kind of you know giving that information to you whether that's rockets pr or whatever the case may be if you don't want to read yourself but you can tell that these young guys in tai tai tari and um jabari as well they're that age right where they grew up on social media they grew up on instagram they grew up on snapchat all that stuff and you can tell for these two guys they're very native to social media and being on it and so i think you know being of that age 
there's always going to be that pull of, you know, I'm, I'm on social media. Like I want to see what's going on. I want to see what the narrative is and, and things like that. And, you know, it's going to be something that he has to balance and, and find a way to navigate. And, you know, hopefully like, like we mentioned in the earlier segment, you know, when he gets playing with the big team and he has Jalen and KPJ and Shingun feeding him shots and he looks better, you know, in that offensive yeah. system where, you know, his, his skills can really shine. Um, you know, he won't have to deal with such a, such an avalanche of, of negative, uh, negative feedback, but, Paolo, what are you thought? What are your thoughts on this interview? And then once you're done with that, we can go ahead and move on to, to Christopher and his incident on social. Well, his incident, his his moment on social media today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just speak in general, right? Um, it's as much as these are just random people. When you see something a lot, it's inevitable to just pay attention to it because you're like you're only human. And these guy, and especially when you're a rookie can be influenced by this kind of stuff. We, yeah. we got Jamari Smith happened. Um, so he deactivated this week uh, or earlier this week. We had KPJ deactivate earlier on, earlier on last year when he was struggling to begin the season. Uh, we have Josh Christopher today just firing right at, at a couple of fans saying, telling him to pass the ball, right? <laughs> it's, it's just these guys, um, whatever you think that you can tell them, I assure you, they have coaches that tell them the exact same thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's it's like you don't have to be strictly positive. And and if you have an audience and you want to create your own content, you, you can criticize players, right? But adding them and making sure they see the criticism doesn't really make sense because trust me, nobody more than themselves wants to, wants to get better. And yeah. they have people who are paid to tell them how they can get better. And so so I saw some people saying, oh, oh, Josh, should, uh, like, those were valid criticisms, you shouldn't just be brushing them off. No, like, I'm, like, whatever criticisms are valid, I'm sure the coaches are telling them, like, these yeah. people are paid to do, to do their jobs. And at least when you, when you know that the player's going to see it, I don't see why you wouldn't want to be positive. And I know people have got their own stuff going on. And I think about those social media is either if, if you are happy, unhappy, depressed, however you are, you're just one click away from putting a message out there. And yeah. that it being that easy is what makes it such a toxic place at times. And it's what makes it um, so, so uh, overreactive to every single little thing. And the, even if uh, like, the, even if people were ready that for Jamari not to look great, they would still have done the same thing. And, and it's just social media. I'm I, I'm happy that he found it within himself to just shut the noise off, just deactivate for a couple of days. He came back a lot. He came, he came back better. I don't really think it was his fault that he was playing bad, but he did come back better. I don't know if, if it played a part or not. But yeah, the thing with social media and players is everybody thinks that their coach and and when you are competing with other people who are not coaches and you're trying to like put your content out there then it makes sense if you're actually trying to give advice to the player like trust me whatever advice you have they have heard it it's not if it's correct they have heard it so yeah and i guess to transition into a little bit of of a happier message i thought it was really cool and i really liked the the intangibles on all three of these guys um i thought it was really cool that they were picking each other up on on social media they were like picking off tweets from fans that that were happy to see them play well and they were like casting each other up i think that chemistry is really important um i think that they would they will fit right in with with the guys that we already have and what i like even the most besides them you know hyping each other up is the attitude that they have on the court um i think all three of them are plus defenders and their effort shows on defense it's not they have the tools and so they can afford to take plays off or they can afford to not be focused all the time and still recover no it's that these guys are just this is summer league this means basically nothing or it means very little to the grand to like the grand scheme of things but they are giving it their all um and i think that culture is something that's going to be really good with the current players that we have because we currently have a lot of the the raw talent and then the erratic offensive players that are going to be incredible creators and have an incredible incredible highlight plays but they did lack a little bit on the defensive end we had jason tate as a post defender and then besides that it was a lot of guys that can play defense have the tools to play defense they're not 
really those are not their calling cards and so i loved seeing clipar i, I loved seeing seeing uh tari at the beginning of the game i posted a, a video on twitter of him like hyping clipar up like getting him ready um i loved the um, like Jabari fell um, and he was like taking his time getting back up. It was a timeout, 20 seconds to go. Wow. We're on a close game. And Tari was like, yo, you need to get up because we, we've got a game to win. <laughs> yeah. this, this type of intensity in, in a summer league game is something that I really love for this team. And in what, I guess, in what was perceived as a weak draft, to come up with players that even if, like, we know that most likely all of these, not all of these guys are going to pan out, uh, referring to all the young players on this team, to, to have players that can, that can, at the very least, just set a little bit of a culture and demand more out of each other and foster that development is something that I really value. Um, especially in draft where you're probably not swinging for a superstar player with every pick, and you have one draft prior where you were doing that and, and you're probably going to do that again next draft because it's once again called a generational draft right i really like that we got players that really hang their head on defense and that have that intensity and I, I i'm really excited to see what those guys can bring because we have in the kpj for example guy that's a little bit of a question mark i i really think that having guys who are going to give it their all together with jay Tate and josh christopher who are already on the team we're now having if all of these guys make the rotation, we now have a majority of the rotation being guys that really play really hard on defense. And it's what we talked about before, where if everybody's working really hard and you're not, you're going to stand stand out. And, uh, and because of that, I think uh, to foster a better culture within the team, it's not going to be heat culture <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> but that combined with the system culture, I think we're, we're culture-wise and in personality wise i think we we've got a really good group so i want to touch on one more social media uh event from the last day before we we round out our, our fun, super fun social media segment here and this one involves friend of the show you could even say host of the show paolo himself uh, he tweeted at tari's mom tari, oh, I forgot said, about that. we still don't have a nickname for tari does he have one we should use, or should we just get creative with it? Uh, she mentioned Peso. I guess that was his nickname oh, yeah. he had um, because his shot was money. And then she also said uh, the Ferrari brothers or Tari Ferrari. And she said this one. <laughs> to that. So there we go. There's your nickname update. Um, she also interacted with another tweet. Let me see. Also of Paolo's. Paolo, you've been doing very good at getting the, the mom engagement on Twitter. Uh, she, said, she said, when the Rockets play your Celtics, who are you rooting for? And she said, when the Rockets play the Celtics, it's Peso, meaning Tari, against me. And if he loses, I'm dragging him. So, you know, keep it, like, keep it competitive in the family. Uh, my heart is in Houston, but I will always be a Celtics fan. My love for my son is higher, but not in lieu of my love for the game. I'll read that again. So, you know, I think one last one I want to say, and then you can comment, Paolo. So, uh, Brad, another friend of the show, we've been, you know, very, very active with his mom so far. She said, she had a picture of Jabari. She said, this is my guy. He's a teenager, like in his teens. You're not ready for what's happening in Houston. Vegas has me in outer space. I'm going to go to bed before I tweet how I really feel. So, very strong <laughs> reaction to Tari's mom on the game yesterday. I love there's, seeing There's one even better, though. Interact. There's one even better. Okay, well, yes. I'll, I'll say you know I love she, seeing a parent that can interact, have fun, you know, not take it too far in either direction, you know, not get wrapped up in the social media, but you know, still able to you know get their thoughts out and, and interact with the fan base. I think that was great to see. Hopefully, his mom will continue to interact with us, and you know, people won't say something crazy at her. Oh well, <laughs> you know how oh, no. that can go. But, all right, Paolo, take away with your, your last tweet here, and then then we'll, um, we'll round it up. No, I think I think he's he's um he's making a case for the so we have felicia who's like the mom of rocket's twitter she's yeah. like the, the the vice mom of her she's making the case for it i think she, the, the really fun thing is she tweets like she's one of us sometimes she has a tweet uh, yesterday saying uh, it's a picture of three guys on a plane yeah. like pointing at a screen one guy's pointing at the screen the other two are looking and she says uh i don't know what the movie is or whatever <laughs> Raphael stood on the jet with the front office looking at the looking at the highlights going. I told you, <laughs> and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna, yeah, I'm not gonna so. say the I'm not gonna say the 
the exploitive next to that. But there's all there's also a lot of people have been talking about how Tari looks like a really level headed dude. And there was quite a lot of questions pre draft yeah. about his IQ, I guess. And I've been one of the people that that's been vocal about it. He seems like a really level headed dude. He seems to on on the court I haven't seen that many lapses that people keep talking about. It's, definitely it's nothing abnormal for a guy that's a rookie. Um and I was like I, I was I was going back and forth on, on that and Chico to one one tweet, I don't think it was mine, but one tweet talking about it. Uh that was that was making the, the conspiracy theory about oh what if what if he worked out for the Rockets and it went really well and so the Rockets just spread this rumor that it's really that it went really badly and they're like he has, I don't know, IQ issues and if um <laughs> and if that happened like the, the, the 200 IQ move from Stone and I think he quoted it and he said I'm trying to find it he said lol got him <laughs> I don't know what that means but man I'm just happy he, he came here and, and I, I'm really happy that his mom was so fun well she yeah, doesn't I have think... a burner account like somebody else's mom <laughs> has so that's a good thing Mo- mom I saw I saw, I saw, uh, I saw uh, tired mom bear yeah. wired uh, <laughs> monster that was, a, that was a pretty good tweet yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that was my tweet, by the way, Paolo. Thanks for being a hater uh, that she was reacting to. But yeah, I, oh, yeah, my it's just, sorry. No, you're fine. It's just, I, I think Tari Eason has very quickly, like you mentioned, you know, due to his play style, do how hard he plays, defensive motor. And I think his shot, his shot has looked pretty good, you know, working with the Rockets coaching staff over the offseason. Hopefully they're able to, you know, work out the form a little bit. I don't think he needs to redo it. We've, we've talked about yeah. that, just some minor tweaks, but. You know, I think he's very rapidly rising into the fan favorite. And to have the team's fan favorite and that fan favorite's mom also hyping him up just yeah. like a member of the fan base. It's just a, it's a very interesting parallel track to see there. So, uh, Lashard, you want to touch on any or all of these, these topics, feel free, and then we'll, we'll close out this segment as well. Yeah, just like I was saying, it's just it also kind of is a Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith culture thing as far as having to go at certain players, having to have hot takes. I mean, that's just kind of what they started, and now everybody is doing it. And now they're really bold, and they're doing it directly at the players. But I've, I've always had the thing where if it's, if it's something I can't say to them in person, I'm not going to say to them on Twitter. So that's kind of how I've always been. And I, I it is it's a balancing act trying to – you definitely don't want to be 100% positive because, I mean, they make mistakes. They're human. They're things that they do need to work on. Even when Christian Wood was here – I always try not to go too overboard with it, even though his defense at times was horrible. I always try to make it a point to where I'm actually saying something that actually makes sense to have some thought behind it, not just that he's horrible and he needs to go play in China or somewhere. You know, just stuff that just out of just left field that people were saying, like under his mentions at times yeah. when he would just – he would tweet out the most random thing that had nothing to do with anything and people would just go straight at him. And to me, I that was just the- kind of overboard. The 35, where he just tweeted out 35, and people took yeah. that as him responding to the spaces when it was actually him <laughs> mentioning that it was his teammate's number from high school who passed yeah. away. That was a very yeah exactly. very dark moment for Rockets Twitter. And, and that's one why you shouldn't, you know, just make assumptions off what people say. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, I, I definitely want to, you know, reinforce what you said there of like, if you have something, it, it's better if you have something negative to say about the players. You just tweet that out, put it out. If they want to search their own name, that's on them. That's different. Um, but yeah. if you're if you're in the replies, if you're in their mentions, you know, try to keep that positive. And and that way, you know, like you said, if they want to go looking for that motivation, they can search their name and find it. Um, but you know, you're not just bombarding them with those things when yeah. you know, they're not going and looking for it. So I think that's yeah. definitely a great point by you, Lashard. Um, that is going to take us into our second break here. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some news that dropped earlier today about Donovan Mitchell. So don't go anywhere. Be right back. And continuing into our third segment here on the Launchpad Podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about some news that came out earlier today from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, um, which was also, I think, touched on by uh, Tony Jones on T. Jones in the NBA uh, a couple of days ago. But they mentioned that yeah. you know, Utah may not be actively shopping Donovan Mitchell, but they are uh, actively fielding offers for him. And, you know, Last week we had the Brian Windhorst meme uh, extravaganza where he mentioned, you know, what's going on in Utah and all that stuff. So, you know, this yeah. just kind of tracks with all of the stuff that he said last week about, you know, are they going to blow it up? That's kind of Danny Ainge's mantra 
Uh, that's what he did when he brought in Brad Stevens in Boston. He, he started the rebuild, and that could be the direction that they go in Utah now that they've brought in a new coach there. So Paolo, uh, always the mock trade fan on this pod. Uh, we'll let you start this one off. What are your thoughts on potentially a Utah trade of Donovan Mitchell? Do you want the Rockets to get involved? Would you want the Rockets to get involved as a third-party facilitator? Go ahead and take it away. Yeah, um, so I think it's – so while the Jazz are saying, oh, we're not looking to move him, but we're opening to move him, like we've seen this before a million times. It's It will slowly progress towards they're going to move him. Otherwise, if you have a star player, you're not going to mention – that you're willing to move him unless it's way like far down the line. You're basically already assumed that you're moving him. Um, I think for the Rockets, this can mean this means two things: one good thing and one bad thing. I think the bad thing is well, Utah's blowing it up, and I don't think oh. they're going to try and win uh, or try to flip Donovan Mitchell for another star or whatever. Um, and so because of that, we're going to have another team that's going to be actively tanking for Wembanyama. Um, there's going to there's going to be a team that there's going to be teams like they're taking what every slot in the odds anyways, but having a team actively trying to lose and be one of the worst three teams is definitely not that much of a positive. If you are an advocate of making the play in, well, that makes us more likely to make the play in as well. Um, but then the positive thing for us is well, KD is no longer the one star on the market, which me and Donovan Mitchell fixes. Has or he's not as good as KD, but he fits the same archetype as a scorer, right? Yeah. And he is—he's also on a long-term deal, so just like KD. But he fixes one of the issues with KD, which is KD so is 34, and Donovan Mitchell is like 24, 25. And so, if you're a team, knowing how expensive KD will be, would you rather trade for KD or give up maybe a little bit less assets, but trade for a guy that's younger and that? And that you can have even passes. I know they're both locked up for four years, but you can have you can build a future around them, and even after his current contract, you can keep extending them, um, and you can build something sustainable as as opposed to KD, which is well, we're going all in right now, and we're banking that the sky doesn't fall apart within the next three years because not everybody's LeBron, and even KD himself has been injured the last three years in a row for significant a significant amount of games. Um, so. I think it's it's good for us in the sense that, well, the rumors of Brooklyn getting this massive haul has, have been dying down, and people people have been kind of being prepared for, well, maybe they're not going to get as much of this as they want. People already mentioned a, a James Harden type of haul. Uh, some people are saying that a James Harden type of haul, according to executives, is the high end of what they can get for KD, right? Yeah. And so, knowing that, it's good that another starts on the market and um, teams are going to. It, it breaks a little. It takes away a little bit of the leverage that Brooklyn has. When it comes to the Rockets trading for him, good player, right? Okay. To me, he overlaps too much with Jalen Green. Uh, I think we're, and I think you probably need Jalen Green to trade for him. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if, if it can be done without him. But I don't. If you manage to keep Jalen Green, I don't really like the fit. If you are trading for him, you're giving up a lot of assets. Hard teams are going to be uh, involved, and I don't. I think it's. Even though Donovan Mitchell is still young, I think it's it's too soon, and I'd rather hold off for another type of player to bring on and to spend those assets on. Um, but yeah, th- that's mostly what I'm sitting at. I don't know how you guys feel. Well, no, I was just gonna say, um, I think the main thing for the Rockets is just being another landing place, as far as maybe taking on some bad contracts, and then you get some draft picks in return but as far as yeah trading for donovan mitchell yeah i mean to me you're, you're going to get the same things from kpj and Jalen green at a much cheaper price and then you don't have to give up draft capital to get donovan mitchell donovan mitchell probably needs to go to a team that's more established that's trying to win now and we all know the rockets aren't trying to win right now so yeah i think in the long run i mean the rockets actually trading directly for donovan mitchell may is definitely not a good idea but if they want to get in as far as a third team to help facilitate it and maybe get something from it, then I, I'm definitely fine with that. And like you said, the more stars on the market at this point, the better for the Rockets because they're going to be one of the teams that um, eventually is going to have that cap space. And I'm fine with keeping the draft capital that the Rockets have and holding on to it as long as you can because as we see now, stars are 
dropping off a team left and right. Contracts really don't matter. I mean, who knows next year if Boston, you know, flounders and is horrible, maybe Jalen Brown's going to want out. And, and then you have the draft capital to go get a player like Jalen Brown. So to me, yeah, a player like Donovan Mitchell doesn't really do anything for the Rockets right now. It just makes them good enough to not have a good enough draft pick and basically be in purgatory at the very back end of the playoffs and not really get a high draft pick. So to me, if you're a facilitator for uh, maybe a mega trade, that's fine. But trading for a player like Donovan Mitchell right now really doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I'm right there with Lashard on this. Um, even though, like Paolo said, Donovan Mitchell's not a super old player. Yeah. Just I think it'd be better to wait for someone that's a better fit with the the team you already have. You know, maybe someone who's, you know, if KPJ ends up not panning out, maybe someone who's more of a, a point guard. You know, if uh, Shangun, we need to get, you know, a center to kind of pair uh, with Jabari in, in that sense. Uh, I'm I'm pretty high on Tari right now, so I'm not about to throw Tari out of the bathwater here. I think he's locked in 10 years guaranteed starter. So you know, I was on the Jalen Brown train for a while, but I think I may have, my heart may have been swayed already. But, you know, either way, right, there could be some player that comes available that maybe is even better than Shingun, even better than Tari, right. um, you know, as much as we love those guys. So you never know. Um, you never know. But, yeah, my inclination is tending to agree that, if you want to get involved, do it as some sort of third party facilitator, maybe take on like some bad money, get some assets back and you know, you can, you can package those together for whatever we want to do in the future. I will say the, uh, the Scotty Barnes to the Rockets trade segment we did a couple weeks ago, got pretty, pretty hostile between me, Paulo and, and Jackson. So I don't want to go too far down that it's route again. A lot more peaceful. It's a, it's a lot more consensus. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I will mention real quick uh, to to, Richard, to to the point Richard made. If we are getting involved as a third team, Rockets need to define a couple of things, right? Is how long into the future are you willing to take these contracts? Yeah. And how confident are you that you will be able to use the projected 17 million of cap space next year? Because it doesn't need to be either all one way or all the other. You don't need to just sign two stars or 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 not do anything you don't need to just go full out role players um there's a lot of options and one of the options is you take a lot of you don't have to take like 70 million worth of bad contracts for picks right yeah you can take 30 million worth of, of, of bad contracts right for that year and then spend the rest of them on a couple of role players that you're, act, that you're actually going to play um i think the i think that's been heavily rumored with mitchell for a long time is the knicks and if the Knicks are trading for him, it's a big base package, but you still got to match Mitchell's yeah. max uh, max contract. I think that the prime candidates to do that are probably Derek Rose and, and Evan Fournier. They would build around, I mean, this is the Knicks, right? You'll build around the team of Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, R.J. Barrett at the three, Julius Randle at the four, and Mitchell Robinson or Hartenstein at the five, right? It doesn't sound too exciting, but it's the Knicks, and we know that they're going for these mid you know, yeah. like we're just trying to make the playoffs teams. And so Don Donovan Mitchell and Jalen Brunson just seems like such an under undersized backcourt. You know, <laughs> yes, as skilled as both of those guys are. Horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, it just it makes you appreciate how much length and athleticism that KPJ and Jalen have where it's like, ooh, I'm gonna have to worry about that. It's like yes. I could deal with those you know, you know, six one backcourt, both of them. Yeah, our, 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 we're going. I guess we're not going. You know, full monster ball, but yeah, you know, six, six, five, six, six backcourt. Uh, Tari's six eight. Jabari's you know six eleven. Shingun's six ten. So yeah, the, the days of rocket small ball are thankfully over. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, my my desire for rebounding has absolutely been answered with with Tari Eason, if not you know Jabari Smith as well. Yeah, and so to just to conclude that point real quick. The Knicks would like to use Fournier and Derrick Rose to max to match the, the the contracts. And if the Jazz want to make a big swing, uh, which I don't think they would, because well, if you're bottoming out, but whatever. If they for some reason want to get off the contract, even teams that are bottom bottoming out sometimes do this. Um, the Rockets did it with Torian Prince just two years ago, where well, they were clearly going to a rebuild, but if they could get off a contract for for a cheap price or for um, you know below market value um the rockets are someone who could take on evan fournier and the recrows who have um both of them have money this year and next year fournier has another year but it's a team option so it's 
if you want to keep me, you can, but it's not guaranteed. Um, and so it would be, how much would you need to forfeit uh, to forfeit um, what would be thirty-two and a half million in cap space next year, right? And th these are still players; they could probably still play, even though this year I'd probably rather play the young guys. But you could get involved if if the class don't want to take on this money, or, or if for the class it, it, it takes a huge amount of assets for them to to want to give up Donovan Mitchell and take on really bad contracts. Are the Rockets willing to? give the Knicks, I don't know, maybe a little bit lower of a price than what the Jazz would require to take on those contracts. And so in that way, the Rockets could be involved as a third team, get a couple assets out of it. Depends on, once again, how confident you are of the kind of players you're going to be able to get next year. Even if the Rockets did make this deal, they would still have 40 million of cap space next year. And that, that's still a lot of money. So yeah, it's, it's one way that they could get involved, just taking into consideration that the rumor that the Knicks are one of the teams that's been interested for a long time. Yeah. All right. So I think that's going to do it for us on this episode. Um, if you all have any thoughts, any comments, if you you know disagree with us and you want the Rockets to trade for Donovan Mitchell, you know, leave a comment below. We will address that or you know leave a leave a response in the tweet for the pod. Um, definitely love getting y'all's feedback. But my guess would be most people are fairly on the same page with. A Donovan Mitchell trade, but Lashard, we'll go ahead and go to you first. Tell the people where they can find your stuff. Uh, of course, you can always find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops. Like I said, I also write for the Dream Shake, so I'm having articles come out usually every week. And you can always listen to me and watch me on YouTube at the Rocket Fuel Podcast, which is printed by Clutch Fans. We have a next show coming up on Saturday. We have a uh, Cody Davis who uh, writes for Sports Illustrated. Now he was actually down yeah. in summer league, so uh, we're going to be having him on the show. So. Definitely make sure you check that out. And actually, in a couple of weeks, we have Mr. Jackson Gatlin. He'll be joining us as well. So that ought to be pretty fun. There you yeah, go. And, and don't forget, if if you need any more reason to go check with our podcast, they did have Mario Ellie on the podcast. Yes. I, I think it was the last one. Like, last Rockets week, yeah. legend Mario Ellie. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't awesome get, show. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't <laughs> get any more hype than that. So make sure to go check that out. Definitely. Absolutely. And Paolo, go ahead and plug your stuff. Yeah, y'all can find me on Twitter as always at Paul Alves NBA. That's P A U L O A L P E S NBA. Everything I do from podcasts like this one to the live shows on the rest places will find self linked on there. And of course, you can find me at Don Knock. You can find the pod at Clutch City CR. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, if you go into the description there, you can find the link tree link for Apple, po Apple Podcast, Spotify, and the YouTube link as well. So until next time, y'all, be safe and go Rockets. <laughs>